Hey, it's Tim Benz of Breakfast with Benz at Trib Live and the Pittsburgh Steelers Football Network. Be sure to check out my podcast, the Pittsburgh CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers. We dive into the betting angles for all the Pittsburgh teams. If you're from Pittsburgh or a fan of any Pittsburgh sports teams and want to become a sharper better, this is the podcast for you. So subscribe, follow, and listen to the Pittsburgh CityCast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Santonio with a touchdown! This is the Pittsburgh City Cast with Tim Benz, presented by Bet Rivers. Mike, continuing with the Ben questions, is he the best quarterback for this offense? And if so, what makes him that way? Absolutely. Um, you know, what he does and what he's done um, makes me really comfortable in saying that. I'm sure glad Mike Tomlin seems to have confidence in Ben Roethlisberger because I don't think anybody else does. And that is reflected in some of the numbers at Bet Rivers. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. And while you are there, you can see that the Steelers are just a one-point favorite down from a point and a half over the Denver Broncos this Sunday at Heinz Field with perhaps Drew Locke starting for the Broncos. Yeesh. The Steelers are now minus 1,000 to miss the playoffs and plus 600 to make them. The over-under win total has dropped to 6.5, and they are at plus 2,500 to win the division without even losing to the Ravens or Browns yet. Oh, and by the way, all those numbers still somehow feel generous to me. The public is catching on. This ain't a bad start. This ain't a fluke. This is a continuation of the rotten end to 2020, and the end is near for the franchise streak of finishing 500 or better, which dates back to the start of the 2004 season, and the end is near for the Ben Roethlisberger era, too. Unfortunately, one streak that will continue, though, it appears, a fifth straight year without a playoff win, which would be unprecedented territory in Pittsburgh since the Immaculate Reception. I'm Tim Benz. Glad you're with us. Hey, before we dive into the Steelers news of the day and some Pirates talk too. Did you hear what Fred Bolitnikoff said? The former Hall of Fame wide receiver for the Oakland Raiders was on the Great Dane podcast with Hall of Fame kicker Morton Anderson. And this is what Bolitnikoff said when Anderson asked him about the Immaculate Reception. Did Franco Harris catch that Immaculate Reception? Hell no. They, you know what? I can't figure out <laughs> how guys can lie for so many years and not feel guilty. You think... I'm sure they, some of them probably have gone to counseling, okay, just to get over lying, okay? You know who really needs counseling? Raiders fans and all those ex-Raiders players from the 70s. Denial is the first stage of grief, guys. It's been 50 years. Time to move on to phase two. Well, it may be 50 years before we see another student's playoff victory at this rate. That's the way it feels at this point. It was 20 years between Pirates' playoff appearances and 42 since the last World Series berth. Don't tell me it's impossible. It was also about 25 years between Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks in Pittsburgh from Terry Bradshaw to Ben Roethlisberger. Now it appears they'll both be going out the same way as they came in. Bradshaw managed to play just one game after elbow surgery in 1983 and then faded into retirement. Now Ben Roethlisberger is kind of doing the same thing in terms of poor play. He doesn't have an injury like Bradshaw yet. I mean, the left peck, the hip this week. Maybe one of those injuries will sideline him for the rest of the season. 
or let me change my voice inflection for very important purposes here. Maybe one of those injuries will sideline him for the rest of the season. You catch my drift? Maybe such an injury will be created, invented, or at least magnified to make benching Roethlisberger at some point a bit more politically correct or optically appealing, as in, okay, Ben, you gave it your best shot in 2021. You were the savior of the franchise starting back in 2004, but it didn't work out this year. You should have walked away after 2020. It was a mistake on your part to want to come back. It was a mistake on our part to bring you back. We all know it. Now it's time to fade away gracefully. Otherwise, I don't know what the Steelers do except bite the bullet and ride it out with Roethlisberger. I mean, they could just keep playing him, but it's not going to get much better. I mean, he was the biggest problem with the offense Sunday and the loss of the Packers, not the receivers, not the rotten offensive line, but Big Ben himself and then maybe the defense. The offensive line still wasn't good, but at least it was at times capable. But even when Roethlisberger had time to throw, he missed open receivers on multiple occasions. It appeared his receivers, particularly Juju Smith-Schuster, didn't help him out by you know, failing to make plus plays to aid a less-than-perfect throw from the quarterback. But Big Ben's throws, in some cases, they didn't have to be perfect, and he still missed them. On Tuesday, I asked Tomlin what was going on with Roethlisberger. No question. That is a, a Coach Sullivan uh, task along with Ben, man. Positional coaches really focus on technical aspects of play, and, and, and they analyze that continually, whether or not he's playing well or he isn't. Um, that's just a component of play. Skill development uh, is big at any position, uh, but doubly so at the quarterback position. And so, you know, um, positional coaches, regardless of position, spend a great deal of their time uh, working with and dealing with the aspects of, of of technical play or or skill development with guys that they work with. Uh, coordinators and guys like myself take a more global approach and talk about uh, schematics and big picture things and how those individuals fit into 11-man football. Tomlin seemed reticent to put too much of the blame on Big Ben, even if his accuracy has clearly been off this year. It's him some. It's it's us collectively some. Uh, we just got to keep working. Um, you know, sometimes it could be attributed to altering of plans late in the week because of player availability or or guys not being available. You know, we, we, we lost Chase Claypool in the middle of the week or toward the latter part of the week last week. So we had to you know, alter our plans in some instances. But, you know, we're not looking to make excuses. You know, we've had some big play opportunities. Um, we hadn't cashed in on them, and, and we we need to cash in on them. They're a big component of moving the ball and scoring, particularly when you're not working as efficiently as you'd like on possession downs, which we aren't. Um, chunk plays eliminate a lot of execution, we say, in the coaching world. And so um, we're going to continue to work to get better from an efficiency standpoint. We're also going to continue to work to – to connect on a higher percentages of these chunk opportunities because that aids us in terms of ringing up the scoreboard as well. However, even Tomlin acknowledged that mobility for Roethlisberger is gone, and that's a problem. What have you seen on film that looks fixable from the quarterback position as opposed to maybe just the fact that this guy can't play at the same level he did <laughs> 10 years ago? Everything except mobility. Um, I don't have an answer for that, um, <laughs> you know, or, or lack thereof, man. Um, you know, Ben used to be able to run really good uh, when he was young. Uh, those days are behind him. Other than that, um, I don't see much that, that that's not a discussion 
in terms of technical alterations or, or quality of play that, that can be improved. It's particularly a problem, a lack of mobility playing behind that offensive line. Now, all this said, Tomlin claims that he's sticking with Roethlisberger and will do so even if criticism comes with the decision for him or for the only quarterback he's ever really known. You know, I think Ben and I have been at our jobs long enough that we know and understand what comes with it. We love Pittsburgh, PA. We love Steeler Nation and appreciate the passion that they have. And we understand the responsibilities that come with our roles. Him being a quarterback, me being a head coach, oftentimes we get too much credit when things are going well. And we're always ready to absorb the negativity of our positions when things aren't going well. That's just life for us. Okay, take that back. Tomlin has known other quarterbacks like Mason Rudolph and Duck here and there, Charlie Batch too, but the only starter he's ever really known. And if you look at quarterbacks right now, starting quarterbacks right now, it's Ben Roethlisberger, 28th in QBR, followed by only four rookies, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, and Zach Wilson, plus Davis Mills. Oof. Ben is playing like a rookie, but a rookie that can no longer move And the only reason why patience is allowed to be preached right now by the Steelers with Ben isn't so much the resume or his accomplishments. It's the lack of a backup who people want to see. Everybody knows that replacing Roethlisberger with Mason Rudolph or Dwayne Haskins is useless and may even be worse behind that offensive line. So why bother? That's why the calls for Ben to be benched aren't as loud as you might expect, even though it does sound like Mike Tomlin is warming the foundation for Rudolph to get some time. Man, I have a lot of confidence in Mason. We've called on Mason in the past, and and he's been able to play winning football for us. I think it's reasonable to expect that to to, to not only continue but to improve. Uh, I know he clocks in here every day with an attitude geared toward getting better and being that guy when called upon. My whole gripe is, and this isn't hindsight being 2020. I said this during the offseason when the decision to bring back Ben was made. All that's happening in 2020 is that you've postponed the rebuilding year of the team by one season. I said that then, I say it now. You extended the denouement of Big Ben's career by a year, even though we all should have known it was over, and I think most of the fans and media did, but the franchise and Ben himself, they wouldn't allow it to be spoken into truth. The let's see if Rudolph and Haskins can get the job done experimental year of a likely 5-12 and 12 football result has been pushed off to 2022 instead of happening now. And now 2021 is going to be even worse than anyone anticipated. So they get a new quarterback in 2023 maybe instead of 2022, and you bypassed on a 2021 offseason where a lot of quarterbacks switched teams and a lot of QBs were draftable. Basically, all this happened because the front office wasn't comfortable with a divorce from Roethlisberger, who wasn't comfortable retiring yet. They weren't comfortable saying goodbye to him before he was ready to say goodbye, and he wasn't. It's that simple. That's the reason. Well, now the Steelers are paying the price, and there are no good QBs in the draft this year. So if they want a new chapter in 2022, they're going to have to compete on the trade market to get Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers which is what I want anyway, but they won't pay the price in draft picks. It's an ugly situation, and I don't see it getting better anytime soon. Do they beat the Broncos with Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater coming off a concussion? Maybe. Will it be ugly? Absolutely. The over-under is at 40. Get it now before it keeps shrinking. I can't believe it's that high. 
I've told you the under has hit four weeks in a row. I've been right four weeks in a row in taking it. It's a safer bet than the Steelers minus one. I'll take the Steelers, but I don't feel great about it. I feel great about the under. If I was more confident in Bridgewater and 100% health, I'd take the Broncos, actually. But if the Steelers lose this game, and they very well might, they are going to be 1-6 for the first time since 1988 because they are losing to Seattle and Cleveland around the bye, regardless of what happens this Sunday. Before the Bears and Lions get to Heinz Field after the bye, then they might win a few, but it could be record low status for the Steelers since roughly the end of the Chuck Knoll era. Oh, one other funny thing. How about Avery Williamson signing with the Denver Broncos? For what? Intel purposes? What's he going to tell Vic Fangio after his half season and eight games played in a Pittsburgh Steelers uniform? What's he going to tell Fangio that Fangio doesn't already know? What's he going to tell the offensive coordinator about the Steelers' offense with Ben Roethlisberger under center? Hey, coach, guess what he's going to do here? He's going to take a shotgun snap and throw it short of the sticks. I'm telling you, that's what he's going to do. Oh, thanks, Avery. We never knew that's what he was going to do. We haven't been able to figure that out. (laughs) I mean, it's just comical. Williamson is washed up. He was nothing here with the Steelers. They were desperate to have an inside linebacker to play, and he couldn't even get on the field practically. What was he, like 30% of the snaps that he played with the Steelers while he was here? I mean, it's just kind of funny to me if they're getting this guy on board just to pick his brain, but whatever. Uh, When we come back, Joe Rudder for the Pittsburgh Trib. He'll join us as part of the Pittsburgh CityCast. Uh, He was my guest, as always, on Breakfast with Ben's. like to hear from Joe once a week to give you the intel that he's got, which I think is more germane than what Avery Williamson can give to the Denver Broncos. Joe will give you some on the state of affairs, the quarterback position with Big Ben, where the defense is after last week's loss to Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Uh, Plus, we'll talk about the uh, line of a point and a half, I think it was when we taped up with Joe and the over-under of what was at the time 40 and a half, but the number's still relatively the same. Joe will give you some advice as to what you should do there. That's all coming up here in the Pittsburgh CityCast. Win your share of $1 million with the Bet Rivers Beat the Spread Challenge. When you bet on pro football games at Bet Rivers this season, you can win weekly and season-long prizes. Every time you beat the spread, you'll earn points and move your way up the leaderboard toward the top prizes. See official rules for details. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com and start winning. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Pittsburgh CityCast is presented by Bet Rivers. When you place your football bets this week, try out the new same-game parlays at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Mix, match, and multiply your payouts with player prop combinations along with traditional game lines. It's easy. It's fun. Give it a go this week. Log in, bet, and win at Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Back in the Pittsburgh CityCast, and as promised right now, Joe Rudder, beat writer for the Pittsburgh Tribune Review, covers the Steelers. He's on my podcast page, Breakfast with Ben's once a week. After the Mike Tomlin press conference, we always break down what Tomlin had to say about the upcoming game and about the week before. In this case, a loss to the Packers last week, and now the Denver Broncos come to town at 3-1, and one, losing most recently to the Ravens after winning three in a row against three pretty bad teams in the Jets, Giants, and Jaguars. What is on the horizon for the Steelers this week? Well, another good defense, which means it'll keep the total low. I think I'm saying go for the under again for a fifth straight week for the Steelers. I'm saying take the Steelers, but play it small, especially if Teddy Bridgewater 
ends up playing quarterback. Maybe you wait and see on that one. Maybe you get it even money or the Steelers end up being an underdog in their home stadium against Denver. Let's see what Joe has to say here on the Pittsburgh CityCast. And now they get to host the Denver Broncos, a good defensive team. Certainly they've not played a difficult schedule, and they've lost the best team that they played. That's the Baltimore Ravens, but I still think it's going to be a heck of a test, Joe, for the Steelers' offense. Uh, they might be able to play some college teams and be tested on offense. I expect a really low-scoring game in this one, which in a weird way might behoove the Steelers if their own defense can play well. Uh, I think a lot of that depends on who's the quarterback for Denver. Uh, if it's Teddy Bridgewater, if he can get through concussion protocol. If it's not him, it's Drew Locke. And if it's Drew Locke, he might throw them the football on occasion and maybe shorten the field, and that would be a very nice benefit for the Steelers' offense. Yeah, it would be, because and, and one thing the Steelers really haven't done is get a, get a ton of turnovers. I mean, they... They could have had the one on special teams, but that you know got called back. Um, yeah, they, they need that because the way the offense is playing right now, there's not much margin for error. There's not much they can do, and uh, so you know getting into a low-scoring game might be the most beneficial thing for the Steelers to have. But that means the defense has got to make some stops. They didn't do that in Green Bay. Gave up nine conversions on third down. Was on the field for over 34 minutes, and uh, you know those type of things have to change if if you're going to have the help the offense out and give them a chance to maybe do some more things. I can't believe the over-under was above 40 when I saw this game. It was at 40 and a half. I, I was wondering if it was going to be above 30. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, you, you don't expect, you know, 40. You're talking 21-20, something like that. Yeah, it, it's going to be tough, I think, for these teams to get there. I mean, I think the Steelers do have potential to score more points. It's something they haven't done, though. I think the line has held them back, obviously. But uh, I think they have the potential, and especially if the defense can set them up for some things. But, yeah, you know, it, it, neither of these teams is really, you know, that high-powered of a team. And, uh, you know, Denver, like you said, you know, faced its match with the, the Ravens. And, I, you know, I didn't really think Denver would be one of the better teams in the NFL this year. And I think they're, you know, going to slowly start to come back to the pack. This is going to be an interesting game, a swing game, as far as the emotional rudder on this team goes, I think, insofar as if they win this one, you know, they can say to themselves and probably will say to us and to the fans, it's up to us and the fans if we believe it, but they will say to themselves, hey, we're two and three, not the greatest start, but we've been worse, you know, and Tomlin's certainly seen that. Uh, they were 0 and 3 and then 1 and 4 when Duck and Mason Rudolph were the quarterbacks. They were 0 and 4. Uh, in 2013, they're two and three. That feels like they can still make up ground, especially if they eke one out against Cleveland or Seattle and or Seattle, I suppose, if you really want to be optimistic. And then you got Detroit and Cleveland. But if they lose this game at home to Denver, to maybe Drew Locke, even maybe to Teddy Bridgewater, you're thinking, wow, how bad are we? How bad is this going to get? And then they're probably going to be one and six before they get the Bears. Yeah, that, that, it's bad. It's, you know, this is the, the, the proverbial must-win game that you, know, that you need to have. I think it's been since 86 or 89 that they've lost their first three games at home. And that's something... No, I hadn't looked at that one yet. I know it's... 88 was when they were 1-6, and six, but I hadn't looked at how long it's been since they were 0-3 at home. Yeah, that's. I, I think that maybe that's the season. I, I did a story a couple of years ago on that when they were 0-2 at home, and then they won that game. But uh, yeah, The they, Duck Mason year, they needed to bust out the Wildcat <laughs> to fool the Bengals to get their first win. That's exactly. Because they had lost to the Seahawks, yeah, exactly. and then they had lost in the overtime juju fumble game against the Ravens. Yeah, exactly. I think that's when I, I did write that story. So, that, you know, they, they have a, a lot of history on their side that they should not go 0-3. But yeah, it's you know you go you go zero and three at home. 
you're one and four, then it's really starting to get ugly. And the other thing to consider is, you know, how many no-shows are going to be there this week? You know, they, they want to rely on the home field advantage. You know, that you saw how many there were 10,000 no-shows for the Bengal game. How many are there going to be this week? And then if they lose this week, then you got the game against Seattle. I mean, I just, it, it's just get really ugly. Oh, maybe people will come see Russell Wilson. They <laughs> <laughs> start yeah. treating this like the Pirates. Say, hey, Albert Pujols is in town. Yeah. You know, they start shooting off fireworks. Maybe that'll get them down there, too. <laughs> Well, you know, I was thinking about that a little bit myself when I saw the Rolling Stones were in town on Monday. Their biggest, latest hit was Ghost Town, and what an apt description at Heinz Field. <laughs> yeah, and it might be that way the rest of the year. You know, I would think if you want to buy Steeler tickets and get a chance to see a game, you probably got a pretty good chance on the secondary market to get a good buy. Yeah, this year more than any in recent memory. Uh, to that end, uh, whatever fans do show up, how close to the end of the Roethlisberger era are they witnessing? I mean, it's there's not much reason to think that you know that he's going to write this thing and, and finish his career and his maybe his you know probably his last season in the NFL on a high note. I mean, you know, the the only thing you know because I was th- thinking back and looking at some of these things and I think back you know he's got veteran receivers. Yeah, the line you know he's got a young running back and he's got a young line, but he has veteran receivers. That, you know, that, that should be able to make more plays with him in there. So there should be more of a connect there. And I, I, one thing I keep coming back to is the Matt Canada offense. And, you know, he's obviously not suited yet to run this type of offense. He might not be before he retires. But I think that is one of the bigger things holding him back. I mean, yeah, he has the lack of mobility. He's not making the throws. I think, you know, he can still make some of the throws. He can still use his instincts and, you know, his his uh, experience to maybe get by some. But I just think this offense is really holding him back. And especially with some of these calls, these fourth down calls they're asking him to make, uh, you know, it's just, it's really strange. And, and I, See, I can, I don't I can, know. Like, I don't, I don't put that as much on Canada maybe as you do, because I want to take away some of the options from Roethlisberger that are making it easy on him, which is to say, like, if he's got Najee Harris in the backfield, it looks like he's in his head either before the ball is snapped or at the line of scrimmage as the ball is about to be snapped. He's thinking, I'm giving this to Najee and hope he can run six yards. I mean, we've seen that a couple times now. He's, he's not even letting those guys get to the sticks. Yeah, and I don't, you know, I don't know if, how much of that is what they're initially saying, this is the play you got to run versus if Ben really thinks that's a good idea going up at the up to the line of, you know, going up from the huddle I just I can't see him realistically thinking boy these these plays are really going to work here you know it's just it's just a bad look and and again that's just the one factor that keeps standing out to me is this is the Canada offense and you know some strange play calling that I to me that makes more sense than thinking that Ben has all this faith that not faith that Najee's gonna you know be the guy type of guy that if he starts being like Jerome Bettis and running through tacklers he's gonna be able to you know make these fourth and four fourth and five plays I still look at this offense and see so much of it looking like last year though with catch short to run long now it's catch short to come up short um, everything's in front of the sticks, and that's not different from last year. No, it's not, and, and it makes you wonder. You know, they saw the way it was predictable last year. They saw the way they were limited last year. Why are they still doing some of these things and expecting anything to be different? I mean, you know, you still have a dynamic guy, and Deontay Johnson can make people miss. Juju's dependable, you know, and is the shorter guy across the middle. Claypool, you know, they, they should try to get Claypool more involved deep, and James Washington, you know, they're just – 
using him. However, I, you know, I just see enough guys there that this offense should be better that, you know, I know he's not getting enough time to, to throw and he has to throw short, but boy, they've got to, they just got to change something up. It's just not a good look right now. It isn't. And one guy who was not talked about at all today was TJ Watt. And that was a bit surprising to me because Watt, had an absentee performance largely in Wisconsin uh, back in his home state against Green Bay. I don't care what the stat book says. I saw how he got those two sacks. One was a trip, and one was because Aaron Rodgers slid in front of him. Mm -hmm. And then the fumble was largely Chris Wormley's play, and Watt pounced on it. So it looked like he had a great game in the stat book, but... I mean, just look at how slow he looked trying to get to Aaron Rodgers in the goal line. Yeah, he, you know, he, he's obviously not back from this injury. Is you know, he wanted to play, I'm sure, in his homecoming. Um, you know, had it been any other team in any other venue, maybe he sits that one out as well. But yeah, it, it was not the best of game for him or anybody really on that defense. You know, you, they've got to be able to get off the field. You know, yeah, you got a Hall of Fame quarterback out there, a guy who shredded many defenses. But just the way that, that these drives kept going on, and and they just, you know, third down after third down being converted, it was it was maddening to watch. And you know, they've they've got to get more production from those guys. It's you know, you've got too many. You've got. Bush and Schober trying to get used to each other. You've got Watt back in there. I think you need to see more from Highsmith. I haven't seen a ton from him yet so far this year. You know, the problems on the defensive line, they're trying to mix and match with Hayward and whoever. Um, you know, it'd be nice to get to it back at some point. Um, yeah, they've, they've, got, they've got some issues there as well. Last thing, again, back to Ben. Are there any real-life markers of time as far as their decision-making process goes with him? Is he the starter till the end of the year when he retires or isn't brought back? Is he the starter until he gets hurt? Is he a, a starter until the bye? Starter until they're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs? Like, what, what do you think is the ultimate indicator of time for them to make a move if he continues to play poorly? I think in their minds it's not now. Well, Mike Tomlin obviously made that clear today, but I, I think that they believe he can get them back in this. He can, you know, they can start winning some games, get back into this hunt. You got the extra playoff team. I think as long as all of those things are attainable, I think they'll continue to go with him. Um, you know, then when you get into the second half, if, you know, if, again, you're piling up losses. I don't see why you do commit to playing him the rest of the year when you need to find out at some point really what you have in Mason Rudolph and maybe even Dwayne Haskins if he's he's ready to get in there and play some games you know it, but you know I think that's definitely a second half of the year issue depending on what happens here in the next three four games I like the under as I said earlier last I saw Steelers were a point and a half favorite right now I'm going to say go with that until I hear for sure that for sure that Teddy Bridgewater is playing if Bridgewater is playing I might change my mind that's how down on the Steelers I am uh, but again, I think this is a true indicator as if the Bengal game wasn't. But, you know, for everybody who wants to say that Denver hasn't earned its record. OK, well, you know what? If they do win and they go to four and one, there's going to be a lot of people still saying who they play. They just beat the Steelers. Yeah. What, yeah. what do you think? I mean, do they win this one or no? I think they do. I mean, it's, to me, it's, it's hard to lose you know, 0-3 oh at home. I think they, they do have – I think they're able to come out. I think Denver is not as good as their record appears to be. So I think this is a winnable game for the Steelers. I thought that way against Cincinnati, though. So, you know, it goes to show what I know. But in that 40-point range, that sounds about right. But I, I have some reason I think it's going to go over. Yeah, if they can't block Hendrickson and Hubbard and uh, 
Nassib and Max Crosby. They're going to trouble Vaughn Miller. Yeah, they will. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, they've got to try to find a way to get some extra protection in there. Maybe that's where Derek Watt comes in. Uh, you know, man, you know, I don't, I don't know, you know, what else you do. They, their, their tight ends really aren't giving him much in the way of blocking. They've got to try to figure something out there. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just have a kind of a feeling that being back at home, the desperation level there is right now that they find a way to win this. All right, so my thanks to Joe Rudder of the Pittsburgh Tribune Review. Again, you can hear him weekly, Breakfast with Ben's, and we try to include him as well in the Pittsburgh CityCast. When we come back, we switch gears to baseball. The playoffs are underway. I'll tell you who I like in the National League wildcard game. We recap another rocky performance for Garrett Cole in the American League wildcard game. And we even start looking ahead to next year for the Pittsburgh Pirates because apparently the Steelers aren't depressing enough. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast. Win your share of $1 million with the Bet Rivers Beat the Spread Challenge. When you bet on pro football games at Bet Rivers this season, you can win weekly and season long prizes. Every time you beat the spread, you'll earn points and move your way up the leaderboard toward the top prizes. See official rules for details. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com and start winning. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Hey, it's Tim Benz of Breakfast with Benz at Trib Live and the Pittsburgh Steelers Football Network. Be sure to check out my podcast, the Pittsburgh CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers. We dive into the betting angles for all the Pittsburgh teams. If you're from Pittsburgh or a fan of any Pittsburgh sports teams and want to become a sharper better, this is the podcast for you. So subscribe, follow, and listen to the Pittsburgh CityCast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That sound familiar? It should have. Kyle Schwarber homering off of Garrett Cole as the Yankees lose to the Red Sox in the wildcard game on Tuesday. Very similar to Schwarber homering off of Garrett Cole in the wildcard game of 2015 at PNC Park as well when Schwarber was with the Cubs. There's a drive to deep right. Cole took the loss as a Pirate at PNC Park in 15 when the Pirates lost to Chicago 4-0. He took the loss Tuesday in Fenway when his Yankees lost to the Boston Red Sox 6-2. And in both cases, he gave up a home run to Schwarber along the way to defeat. I had the Red Sox in that one, largely based on Cole's poor pitching in Fenway in the wildcard game previously in 2015 and how he looked in September of this year. I like the Dodgers tonight in the National League wildcard game, minus 240 against the Cardinals. The run line, only minus 106 on the payout, so I'm not fond of that, and I prefer the under two at 7.5 with Wainwright and Scherzer pitching against each other. I am Tim Benz back on the CityCast. At least in 2015, Cole lasted five innings. On Tuesday, he couldn't even get through three. Cole was pulled in the third inning, having allowed three runs and six base runners on 50 pitches. Xander Bogarts homered in the first inning off of Cole as well. The internet was less than gracious towards Cole if you were on Twitter after he got yanked. The memes were hilarious. Cole is 50 cent with the first pitch with the Mets. People reposting pictures of Cole and the Trump turn out the lights routine. Get those lights off. Off. Turn them off. They're too, they're too bright. Turn them off. Turn them off. Let's go. Ready? Turn off the lights. Turn off the lights. 
Turn off the lights. Turn them off. You know, the other one I like, Garrett Cole reported as a spam call, quote, potential fraud, end quote. I loved it. Knowing Cole's personality, you know he saw every one of those online and it ate him alive. To be fair, Cole was 4-1 with a 1.72 ERA in Houston during the 2019 season. He won twice with the Yankees in the 2020 playoffs, but when you make $324 million in New York, that really doesn't matter, does it? I got to say, though, seeing postseason baseball really makes me melancholy. If you spent any time in the Pittsburgh sports Twitter sphere last Friday, you saw a lot of chatter about the 8th anniversary of the 2013 National League wildcard game, the Pirates' first postseason game in Pittsburgh since 1992. You know, PNC Park, blackout, Johnny Cueto drops the ball on the pitcher's mound. You know the rest. In historical terms, eight years shouldn't feel so distant for this long, depressed Pittsburgh baseball fan base. It's a blip. It's a sliver of time. It's a nanosecond in the grand scheme of the collective suffering, especially since the team made the postseason in each of the next two years as well. After all, it's been 29 years since the franchise's last divisional championship. It's been 42 years since the last National League title and World Series crown. Six years without a wild card berth should feel like nothing compared to 20 years of sub-500 baseball we all endured from 1993 through 2012. But the quickness and the depth with which the franchise has sunk back to that pre-2013 rhythm of losing and non-competitive baseball on the big league level has just been jarring. In fact, it feels like the organization never escaped it in the first place and jumped through that three-year window of success. After a 101-loss campaign this year, the concept of ever recreating an event like that October evening in 2013 now seems incomprehensible, doesn't it? I mean, it does to me. I haven't seen the Bet Rivers 2022 odds on Major League Baseball win-loss totals yet or precise order of finish or playoff odds, but when they come out, if I'm a Pirates fan, you know what would be considered an optimistic bet? Let me ask that question. Like, what win total? 65, 70, 75, 80? Dare we say over 500? I'm not going to. Can they finish out of last place, maybe? I don't think so. On Tuesday, Pirates General Manager Ben Sherrington held a season-ending press conference, and I asked him, this is virtually on Zoom, of course, but I asked him what fans and media members should use as signs of progress at the major league level in 2022. Not talking about what's happening in A ball or how the draft is going or what the Baseball America prospectus says about your prospects. I wasn't asking about that. I was asking about signs of progress at the major league level in 2022. Is it an improvement in the win-loss record that you're looking for, like raw win total improvement? Is it the place in the National League Central standings that's important? Proximity to a wild card playoff spot. How about that? What followed, though, from Sherrington was a two-and-a-half-minute response that essentially said, nah, none of that piddly results stuff. Instead, improvement at the major league level will be measured by overall organizational growth. We're really, really feel good about the progress uh, we made as an organization this year. Uh, We feel, we believe we made, uh, there were significant steps taken in terms of the uh, overall depth of talent throughout the organization. Uh, we got signals of on that through certainly just performance of players throughout the system, um, depth of talent throughout the system, 
you know, I think some of the public information would support that. Um, and so we feel really good about that. We feel really good about the uh, continued progress we've made culturally uh, at the major league level and kind of got at that before with talking about the effort and improvement in defense and base running attention to detail, the fight we saw throughout the year. Um, and so we really, really believe that there were steps forward as an organization in those areas. We also played better um, as a team at the major league level in our estimation down the stretch. And uh, we did that despite the obvious fact that uh, we've traded a lot of good major league players uh, off the team over the last two years. And we did all of those things uh, with an idea and a purpose in mind, but, you know, doesn't necessarily make it easier to win games in the short term. Um, and yet we saw improvement in how the team played down the stretch despite that. So uh, I think that uh, makes us feel really good looking forward that uh, the work that we're doing uh, is going in the right direction. Um, in terms of your specific question, we just need to stay laser focused on improvement throughout the operation. You know, major league team, um, you know, as it relates to the roster and continue to make the roster deeper, how we play, how we practice, how we improve at the major league level, how we share information. Uh, but it's everywhere else too. It's we need to continue to be focus on improvement and how we're evaluating at all levels of baseball, amateur, pro. We need to continue to improve in how we're acquiring players and how we think about that. Uh, certainly continue to improve in how we're developing players at the minor league level and beyond. Um, so it's improvement throughout the organization. You know, we, that's where we would be focused and focused on the measurements that we can, that we can use to, to gauge that progress in all those areas. And if we do that, we do that well enough over time, it's going to show up in outcomes at the major league level. We're, not, we're very clear that that is ultimately what we're going after is better outcomes at the major league level. Okay, when? When? When are results allowed to matter? Four more years? Three more years? When are wins and losses in the majors supposed to be treated as something more than a footnote? And how is the franchise supposed to keep fans in Pittsburgh interested enough to go through the gate of PNC Park when we're constantly being told that the alleged important stuff is happening in Altoona and Greensboro. At some point, fans in Pittsburgh should be allowed to say, I don't care about what's happening in North Carolina. I care about what's happening on the North Shore. Not only are the Pirates behind when it comes to possessing and retaining Major League talent, but they are also behind when it comes to the ability and willingness to spend and acquire it. Of the 10 teams that qualify for the Major League Baseball postseason, six are in the top 10 of Major League payrolls. Only two have payrolls below the league average of $130 million. The Milwaukee Brewers are at 102, that's 19th in the league, and the Tampa Bay Rays are at $70 million, which is 26th. The Pirates are 28th in the league at $54 million in the payroll and an actual cash spent total of $52 million for 2021, the lowest in Major League Baseball for the year. Unless Bob Nutting has a Scrooge McDuck-esque spending epiphany this winter, that economic disparity is unlikely to change. So how can Sherrington then attempt to reach any goals he might have at the major league level, which doesn't sound like much anyway, but if he has any, how is he supposed to do that without any quick fix cash? We'll have things we can do this offseason as it relates to acquiring players. Again, whether that's through free agency or trade, um, we sort of have roughly a rough idea of you know, where we sit now and what that means 
in terms of the uh, the room we'd have to work in. When Charrington says room, what room? There is no salary cap. No one is expecting the Pirates to blow through the $210 million luxury tax. So the room is the franchise's own budget threshold for the Major League payroll, which brings us back to square one. Yet Charrington went on to say that since he was hired, anything his office has needed in terms of support from ownership has been there. So I guess Charrington hasn't deemed a useful right fielder or a capable pitching staff as all that necessary yet? Even if he wanted more Major League Baseball caliber help, though, Charrington says the priority would be about finding players who would be able to help beyond 2022. And there's the out. Not pursuing veteran talent because paying seasoned players with a history of success at the Major League level and term remaining on their contracts doesn't guarantee long-term sustainable winning. But, I guess, pinning blind faith on presumptions over draft picks who are five years away from the major leagues, that's secure? That's a neat trick. Maybe Pirates fans should stop letting the Pirates management get away with that trick. Then again, based on the lack of attendance by season's end at PNC Park, maybe they already have. All right, that'll do it for the Pittsburgh CityCast today. Thank you for listening. Friday, we'll dive into the defensive matchup between these two teams at Heinz Field on Sunday, the Broncos and the Steelers, and why the under, I bet even if it continues to shrink, will still look pretty good for you. We'll get to that on Friday on the Pittsburgh CityCast. Then Mike Pursuit on Saturday, Matt Williamson on Sunday with all the scouting advice that you will need. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.